Hello and welcome to season three of the Tech Edition podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, kicking off a new season. Woo! Yeah. I'm, right, doing, sorry. I'm doing my hammer dance right now. Not my right. fake studio audience. <laughs> um, golf. So clap, yeah, sir. golf clap for you. <laughs> it's the beginning of January. Some might even say the sixth Saturday NFL playoff weekend. Um, not much else happening. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what we kind of, the conclusion we came to is we kind of went through the news, man. The news is sparse at best. It is yeah, nothing I mean, going on. There's not a lot of news, but there are some doozies as yeah. we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. On the security front. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you want to just start with that or you want to go over some of the other smaller stuff first? Uh, well, I guess we can just mention that CES starts tomorrow or Sunday here. Oh, yeah. Which should be cool. I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of 8K uh, TVs, maybe. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I guess the curve thing is over with now. We have uh, the curve. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's over because it just it makes no sense. Uh, yeah, it really doesn't. It's just a gimmick, which I guess most of everything is a gimmick. I guess 3D has been dead for a while now. And yeah, I guess just more pixels is really the thing, the way to go now, I guess. Pushing pixels. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so um, to start off with, uh, HTC, or I guess it was Valve. Was it Valve? Yeah, Valve made an interesting Twitter post. Um, I think it was Friday mm. or yesterday or Thursday. Um, and it said new resolutions what? for 28 for 2018. Um, <laughs> and it kind of teased the vibe. New Year's resolutions, what it said. New Year's resolution, 108. 18 um and i'm assuming that means that the new vibe will be announced monday because the month eighth is monday right yeah yeah that's correct <laughs> and yeah um so you know i'm hoping there's a trickle down effect when this is released that the current vibe will get marked down to a cheaper price point yeah man. and then this will just in turn take the 600 to 800 dollar price point that the vibe is taking now that would be the smart thing, but I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I'm hoping that's what happens because, you know, I think we may have mentioned it before. The price really needs to get in the two to $300 price range before most people are going to adopt it. And even that is kind of a big, a big add-on since this is just an addition to your already gaming system or PC. Yeah. So, I mean, the price really has to come down. And hopefully, the as they do this more, the tech will get better. You know, dry prices now, which, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what Vive actually, or HP actually announces. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about the resolution part of this because, I mean, with the, with the original Vive, and I don't know about the Oculus because I've never tried the Oculus, but the screen door effect is real. There's like, you can see the... the the um spaces in between the pixels because your face is so close to the screens so i mean you can kind of suspend it for a little bit once you get into playing something really hard but it's like like after a while it's like you're looking through a screen door and it can get you know annoying so yeah and which is funny because i mean again with this whole you know we're, we're teasing what they may release I've heard that HP is not doing well as a company right now. HP or HTC? H, uh, HTT, uh, HTC, I'm sorry. HTC is not doing real well as a company right now. They're not so, really releasing any phones anymore, are they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you're going to buy. Uh, but but really, man, the, those guys are not doing good as a company. And, 
you know, what's going to happen to their 3D platform uh, if, if they don't make it? You know, are they going to sell that off? Is Valve going to come into the rescue or who knows? Well, I imagine, you know, they'll probably do like Google and just pick another vendor to make their headset. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the the Pixel and the, what was it, the, the Nexus before that, they jumped from HTC to LG to, I mean, Motorola made one. I think they were all over the place. So, I mean, I could see a similar effect. I'm surprised. Well, for obvious reasons, I, I feel like Samsung would be the ideal person to partner with for something like yeah. this. But for obvious reasons, they probably won't partner with Samsung because um, they're kind of in bed with Oculus right now. But yeah, we'll I'm, see. I don't know. I mean, I really would have expected Microsoft to make a play toward one of these companies. Of course, Oculus is already in bed with, you know, Facebook owns them now. So, yeah, uh, but Vive is the obvious play for them. But, you know, they're doing their mixed reality headset thing. And it seems like they just don't want to jump in. It's just really weird to me. I just feel like they're they're maybe a little apprehensive because it's it's such a high price point. They may just not see it being worthwhile but i mean the cool thing is they do have the uh what is it the um not the hololens but the mixed reality headsets yeah that came out um like late last year um i think and those everybody's making those every yeah and um i feel like those are a little more reasonable i've never tried one i need to go by the microsoft store and check one out because um i hear they're all right you know yeah i think i saw um them demoing it on twit and uh, i guess it was father robert ballister was uh, demoing it and then he says it's just as good as the vibe in a lot of ways so i just really would love to get my hands on it and try it out and like you said the price is a, is is about a level where more, pe- more, more people can get along and uh and actually purchase it so we'll see yeah we will <laughs> um what's next Hmm. I don't, uh, do we want to jump into the security or is there anything else we want to? Um, quickly, this isn't really technology, but, um, I just want to talk about the, um, concept truck that Mercedes X, Mercedes Benz has released. It's the Mercedes Benz X class. It looks phenomenal. And yeah. Is that camper a part of the truck? Uh, <laughs> no, you're talking about, oh, I, that's a good question. I'm I'm not sure with the sink and everything. <laughs> oh. oh no 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 no! Not the camper on that one. No, that's 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 definitely an add-on. But the slide uh, out two box thing they have. Yeah, it's got a sink on it, and I mean just just what? the idea of it's like a mobile camper thing back there, which I I thought that was really cool. But if this thing goes into production, man, like I feel like they could really. This is like totally unrelated technology, but I feel like they could knock the F-150 off its throne, you know, if they can come in at a decent price point. Because, I mean, those trucks are expensive anyway. Like, if you get an F-150 tricked out, you're paying like 50, 60 grand. And, I mean, I feel like that's Mercedes territory, you know, maybe a little bit more than that. So Is Mercedes-Benz American? I don't. Uh, no, they're German. They're German. Yeah, so that kind of worries me because usually America uh, rules in the truck business, I guess. So it was, uh, to me, it would be a hard sell for them to come in and kind of uh, take some of that throne. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But, uh, I, you know, I, I agree with you. But in some ways, I don't think pickup trucks are like the most sophisticated <laughs> thing in the world. And yeah, besides, I do believe that they, some of these um, exotic European car companies do make trucks for Europe. They just don't bring them over here because of what you just said. You know, you have the Fords. And the Chevys and everybody's pretty much on one side or other in that camp. And 
it's yeah. probably a really hard market to break into. But, it, you know, I hope this actually becomes a thing. You know, it, it could be really interesting. <laughs> cool. Cool. Agreed. Yeah. So I guess that's our news. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Another you have quick, anything else? Another quick thing. Uh, I guess Matt Katz is returning from the dead. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're making a mouse. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, is it just the name or did somebody... Uh, according to CNN, a Chinese holding company largely comprised of former Mad Cat's factory workers have purchased Mad Cat's assets and are branding and branding and is res- resurrecting the accessory manufacturer. So, yeah, I guess Mad Cat's is back. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, um, you know, hopefully they won't put all their eggs in one basket like they did with Guitar Hero again. Oh, man. Yeah. That was really, really unfortunate. But yeah. if they stick to what they do best, I think they'll be fine, you know? And as much as I like to hate on Mad Cats, like their third-party controllers did get you through when you needed a cheap, you know, knockoff. To and those with. Street Fighter controllers were amazing. Yeah, 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 they were. Still got one sitting sticks. over here somewhere. Yeah, I've got one in the box somewhere as well. But yeah, it's good to see them back, man. Uh, nostalgia. <laughs> cool. So I guess we're just going to hop right into it then, huh? Um, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So um, unless you've been under a rock for the last week, you will have by now heard about Meltdown and Spectre. Um, these two vulnerabilities po- pose a huge, huge threat to... Um, Pretty much any CPU, one or the other, to any CPU that was built roughly in the last 20 years. And if you think about it, we're not just talking about Intel AMD as far as Spectre. It it, it affects M- Intel AMD ARM, like everything. Everything's yes. vulnerable. So if your baby monitor has an ARM chip in it, it's vulnerable. Um, and it's really, really interesting the way these uh, vulnerabilities work. Um, so before we get in, I just want to know, like, your gut reaction to all this, because you've heard quite a bit. So what do you think? Yeah, I've heard. First of all, um, you know, I've heard a few people explain it. So <laughs> hopefully you might do a better job because I've I found parts of it hard to understand, though I get the general gist of it. There's areas of memory that should be quarantined off, but are accessible through some very um, impressive hacking techniques and ultimately, it can be accessed via JavaScript. So, I mean, that being said, and it's it, it's in the architecture of the hardware, that makes it really, really hard. And the thing that I hope it isn't, and maybe you can give me some clarity, I hope it doesn't push us 10, 15 years back as far as processor performance. Well, I mean... It really, it really depends. I know as far as like manufacturing chips, um, it's gonna put us back because you know Ryzen two is supposed to come out this year. Um, Intel usually releases a generation every year now, and obviously it goes without saying that those are going to definitely be pushed back. Yeah. Um, the major thing here for me is that you know even if you're running something, you you may be running a computer with XP Windows seven on it, and it's no less vulnerable than the stuff that's running around now. Yeah. And the danger to me is if you're running one of those older machines is that, you know, I know with Microsoft, they've completely cut off patching windows XP. Yes. I mean, I yes. think they've cut off patching seven too, if I'm not mistaken, or they're getting close to cutting off support for seven. Um, if you're running one of those legacy operating systems, like you're really in a pickle. I think they've already patched, um, windows eight through 10, 
if I'm not mistaken. But um, the thing is with this is the way it works. Okay, so let's say you're running a program and you're running some kind of encryption to keep your data safe. So let's say you're you're on an SSL connection. And you're logging on to techpedition.com or any site, uh, Google, uh, Gmail. So you log in and basically that entire connection and everything is encrypted until it hits a certain part of your CPU. And in that part of your CPU or your CPU interfaces with memory, um, there's a space that is unencrypted, you know, just and my 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 thinking here is because if you encrypt it all the way down to the to the ones and zeros, it would just probably significantly affect your performance. Yeah. And the way that this um, we'll just call it a safe zone, for lack of a better term, the way this safe zone operates um, there, there are two vulnerabilities now that can get into that safe space. Um, one of them is called meltdown and it only affects Intel processors. And with this one, um, it's a little more accessible. Um, I'm trying to think of an easier way to put it, now, it now, but go ahead. I was about to fault each application or each process should have its own own set of this memory uh, that should not be accessible by any other pr- uh, program or process. Is that correct? Am I saying it correctly? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but there's just this raw, there's just this, this safe space. Everything passes through raw and unencrypted. It's inside the kernel. The, it's the most central part of the software ar- architecture and hardware architecture. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, normally there are powerful things in place to prevent it from being interfered with. So you're right. Normally, even in this space, it's walled off from everything yes. else. Yes. But these techniques allow you to transverse your memory space, you know, or access the entire memory space. And um, so, like I said, Meltdown... <clears throat> The way that this works, um, I'm trying to think of an easier way to put it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I, well, I'm reading an article and I'm just trying to recant what I've heard other people say. I mean, normally the memory space within the kernel would be segregated and protected from each other applications. Correct. Yes. But the way this works, it does some memory manipulation within that sector that allow it to reach memory addresses, which it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a lot easier way to put it than what I was saying. Yes. That's basically what it is. Um, meltdown works in kind of a, a different way than Spectre does. But I, the thing about Spectre is like, from what I understand, it's really, really difficult to trigger this exploit. Whereas meltdown probably a little more easier to trigger. Um, and so far they've been able to f- not fixed, but they've able they've been able to write software workarounds for meltdown. Now the problem with meltdown is the way it works, it it screws with antivirus. So if you pass this and you have antivirus running, it could blue screen your computer. What? So this is what Microsoft did. Like I I know wait, all wait, this I, because well, <laughs> I'm I'm just weirded out on how that can antivirus could actually blue screen your computer in that case. Well, the way it works is I think the operating system changes the w- the way it fundamentally handles memory, which is the only way to fix this. And I'm trying to think of the specific language that they use. Um, it's something about double addressing or single addressing. Uh, let's see here. OK, so I'm not going to get into it. But basically, the way 
the way they fix this is they fundamentally fix the way your your Windows or your Linux kernel handles memory. That's really the only way to fix it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I mean we're talking down to an I/O level. It fundamentally changes the way the system handles memory, which yes. is where the which is where the the performance hit comes from. So and I mean, um, are they working closely with? Uh, when you know Microsoft and and I guess Apple for the operating system on top of these processors to to actually um, run this software without breaking everything or is it? Well, see the thing is, um, they have been working on this for months, <clears throat> and they've been working on a solution for months. But some somehow this leaked to the press and it was like announced this week, and there was a huge panic. Um, Apple quietly patched Meltdown. Um, there's a Linux patch forward. Windows had a patch for because they've already been working on it. But they, you know, it's not like I don't think it was quite ready to go yet. So since it's out there and there's this mass hysteria and panic, they went ahead and pushed their updates. Gotcha. Now, the problem with the Windows update is, like I said, it interferes with the way it handles memory, which is in turn, which in turn really screws with antivirus software. And I think it has to do with the way antivirus software handles heuristic behavior, where they don't necessarily protect against a specific vulnerability. They protect against a, you know, a certain set of actions gotcha. to where if you if you do these things, then you're probably malware. So um, it just really screws with the antivirus. And there's a good chance it could boost screen your computer. So Yikes. what Microsoft did was when this patch came out is they try to detect they detect whether or not you have antivirus installed. And if you do, they won't, they don't, it won't install a patch on your machine. Hmm. And we, and we had this problem at work because we run, um, Trend Micro. And what we had to do was do a registry hack. There's a registry key you can manipulate and it will install it anyway at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> um, but we had to because it was just, I mean, it was pretty, it was a pretty scary time to be IT admin this past week because everybody's freaking out. So, and, um- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm thinking. Well, that being said, okay, the the um, the knowledge of this vulnerability is out there. We know all these companies are working to patch it and fix it. Uh, but have there been any real world examples of this? Actually, we know it's a zero day, but are there actually real world examples of this no. being taken advantage of? I don't think there are actually any malware packages that take advantage of this yet. Um, which is why, since it was leaked by the press, everybody's scrambling because now that people know how the vulnerability works, you can bet your your bottom dollar that somebody's going to have an exploit written for it really, really soon. So it's even more important to, you know, get patches out there. But I just wish they would have not leaked this and, you know, let them announce it when they were ready to announce it because it just really screws with everything. Ugh. Man. So let's talk about the performance hit. <laughs> okay, so with Meltdown, now is for for my to my knowledge, there aren't any patches for Spectre yet. There just aren't because it's going to be really really difficult to fix. Whereas Meltdown seems to be easier to exploit and easier to fix, and it looks like all the major OS um, operators or vendors, however you want to say it, it looks like they've all patched it. Now the problem is what. The way this is patched, it comes with a five to thirty percent performance hit mm. to your CPUs, which is like really, really bad. <laughs> like really bad. But especially um, if you think of a cloud computing servers and stuff, that is huge. Oh yeah, 
Azure, um, AWS, uh, Google Cloud, they've all had to patch this. And, you know, we run stuff in AWS and we run stuff in Azure and we got the notice that, hey, we patched this. You need to reboot your machines when you can. And it's just one of those things where everybody's really, really serious about this. And that's a good thing. I'm just worried that. <laughs> that the patches that they've released, maybe since they were released so quickly, maybe they don't protect as well as we hope they would. But you know, who knows? I'm I'm really really scared that somebody's going to find a way to exploit Spectre like quickly, and that will be a huge problem because there's just it it affects every CPU, every CPU. So yeah. it's just really really scary. I mean, in addition to people, you know, the the inherent security uh, aspects of it, but. They're actually companies that are, I think, in Oregon, California, and in Indiana. Companies have filed like a class action lawsuit, or there are multiple actually against Intel over this. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> which which is weird because okay, it's you pay for one thing and then you see it's going to get a thirty percent hit. I can see you getting mad over that, but the fact that it's like an architectural, um you know, flaw, there's really not a whole lot even that company can do about it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I agree, but with Meltdown, that one specifically, since it specifically affects Intel processors and servers, yeah. like, and it doesn't affect AMD stuff, and doesn't affect ARM. Now, with Spectre, I can see your point that, you know, it affects everything, like, that's not really, that's kind of like act of God territory, but with this one... Since that only affects Intel, I feel like they do have an argument there. So, um, well, especially it, since, especially since when this was revealed to the vendors or whoever's, like I can't remember the guy's name who actually like contacted them and let them know that there this vulnerability was there. Like three days after they knew about it, the CEO of Intel sold all his Intel shares. So, um, yeah. Like that tells me that they knew it was really, really bad, and that you know that's one of those things where you know maybe they may have an argument. Well, I mean, it makes me think: is it one of those things like, okay, we know this is a potential flaw, but by not implementing this certain thing, we can have a huge lead over AMD in our processors to be so much faster, <laughs> and that's how we can become the company we are today. I mean, it's like advantage. It's, it's like saying I can. I can get out of my in and out of my house faster, but that's because I don't lock my door. You know, something like that, where they just purposely don't do this little thing that they think will never ever come up. You know, never ever be an issue. But oh, then, I have no doubt that that played into it. I have no doubt whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty huge. And if mm. if the lawsuits started coming, man, that could that could. It could kill Intel, which would be bad for everybody, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I do not want to see Intel go anywhere, even though I'm happy that AMD's had a resurgence. You know, they AMD, we need a Intel just as much as we need AMD, because yeah. both of them together battling it out is what makes us the winners. It, There's only one how like it's been with Intel. We're all going to lose. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think, too, like, you know, we talk about during the economic downfall, like we have banks that are too big to fail. I mean, I also think I almost think in the technological atmosphere that we're in right now and how dependent we are on processors, microchips, I think Intel is probably too big to fail. Yeah, that's bailout. I think they're bailout territory because, I mean, they're running in everything. So, yeah, 
It's just going to be really, really hard to let Intel die, I feel like, anyway. Agreed, sir. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just an interesting time, you know? Yeah, man. 2018. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the gauntlet. So, man, anything else? We kind of, you know, we tried to kind of explain what was going on there. Anything else we need to be aware of or... Um, let's see here. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Um, I can't really think of (laughs) of anything. (laughs) Um, yes. Well, I guess I'll just say, um, if you're into crypto, take a look at Bitcoin, not Bitcoin, B-Y-T-E, Bitcoin, Sia coin, S-I-A coin, and Dogecoin, because they're on a rise. Ripple has gone in the last three weeks has gone from 25 cents a coin to two dollars and 67 cents a coin so i've made a pretty penny but um like you know keep an eye on those because i feel like ripple still got room to go and the other ones are so low right now that they've got a lot of room to grow as well so just check those coins out i'm not saying buy any i'm not in financial advisor so not saying buy it but you know take a look they're really really interesting coins I mean, I almost feel like we're in freaking cryptocurrency AG double hockey sticks. There's so many. There's, there's so, so many. there's so Why? many. Why? Why? There's so many. <sighs> it's like in the it's like in the nineties when Master P's label is releasing an album every week. It's like that bad. Yeah. Do you think there'll be one to rule them all? I guess that's Bitcoin or I mean Well well I don't and I'm gonna tell you why, because they like a lot of them do different things. They aren't just currency. Um so like with Ethereum it can be used as currency, but it's more important because of the smart contract capability of it. Um so you could put like your real estate contract or any kind of contract in the blockchain. And, you know, nobody can, you know, it's there for like permanent record and you can actually build programs off of it. So hmm. I don't really want to get too deep about it, but it does a whole lot more than just um, store financial transaction data. Um, Bitcoin, eh, I'm not too big on Bitcoin. There there are ways to extend it to add smart contract capability and all this other stuff. But, um, you know. It's more at more Bitcoin's more of a traditional cryptocurrency, whereas um, something like Ripple is actually being used to transfer, uh, do inter- intercontinental, not intercontinental, in- inter <laughs> international, international, do international payment transfer. So let's say you want to send two dollars, uh, two hundred dollars worth of Japanese yen to Japan to your friend in Japan. So you can use Ripple. Send it there in four seconds. Whereas if you did it traditionally, you would have to like it'd probably take a week and it'd be super, super it'd be so expensive that it wouldn't even make sense to send two hundred dollars. Just because it's so expensive to do. And um banks do this all the time. And right now, I can't remember the name of the network they use. The Swift network is what they use, I believe. And it's expensive and it's time consuming. And Ripple just like makes all of that fast. And it you know, you don't really have to go through any other any other party, just send it through the Ripple network. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, there's no guarantee that it's going to go up with all this, these, but I, I have a lot of faith in it. I think it's going to do well. Cool. cool. Yeah, we, we may have to dive into a, a, a Bitcoin-only or a crypto-only episode here pretty soon. Oh, yes, definitely. I'm look, I'll am look forward to that. Cool beans. Um, yeah, I guess we're, I guess that's it. Episode we one, out season you? three. <laughs> 
We out. We out. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. I can't, I can't beat that. <laughs> I just smells burnt and dusty. Hey guys, don't miss an episode of the Techpedition podcast. For more information, go to techpedition.com slash subscribe. T-E-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N dot com.